the biggest stories from the pages of the London Free Press and LFPress.com. This is the London Free Press Podcast with your host, Lindsay Barnett. Welcome back to the LF Press Podcast. Thank you for being here. Hope you're having a good week so far. Milder temperatures spring absolutely on the way. And hey, daylight saving time. It's nice having a little bit more daylight and it not being dark uh, at six o'clock every night. So hope you've been enjoying that. I'm your host, Lindsay Barnett. I am joined today by London Free Press City Council reporter, Megan Stacy. Megan, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm loving the sunshine too. That's amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Um, First of all, I just have to kind of give you a shout out, commend you for some fantastic reporting that has been ongoing for over a week now about a very interesting and important story. Um, So a London homeless shelter has challenged city council's approval of a 24 story old East village apartment tower to a provincial tribunal. This could overturn the council's decision and more broadly set an affordable housing precedent that would thrill anti-poverty advocates and frustrate developers. So we've had a five day hearing. There is a lot to unpack here. We're expecting a decision in the coming weeks about what's going to happen, but this story is so fascinating. And something that not only people in London should be paying attention to, but in the province, because whatever decision is made is absolutely going to set a precedence. And the housing crisis is real, not only in London Middlesex, but also Ontario. So let's go back a little bit uh, to council's decision back in 2019 with regards to this building. And we'll kind of set a timeline from there with regards to this 24 building. It's going to be Dundas and Hewitt Streets, Old East Village. Take me through it. Sure, that sounds great, Lindsay. So it was our, it was last year in February that council approved this 24-story um, tower. They said, "Yep, yeah, you got the rezoning. You can build there. Actually, double what's allowed." And this would be the fourth tower in sort of a, a complex, right? That that city block in Old East Village where uh, Medallion Corp, a Toronto-based developer, already has three towers. So they want to put up this fourth. They go through the application prog- uh, process. And it's important to note that the Unity Project expressed all these concerns, you know, when council was debating. So council had this discussion about, is this enough affordable units? How affordable should they be? And they signed off, right? So there was approval for the rezoning and, um, you know, then this appeal, then this appeal comes, right? So instead of getting shovels in the ground, you've got a challenge to that decision and it essentially halts the the tower, the development until this appeal uh, is heard. And so fast forward, um, you know, to this year, we're now more than a year later, it's finally being heard. They actually crammed everything into four days. We were expecting a five-day hearing, but it was four days. And, um, you know, you hear submissions from City Hall, from uh, the developer, and from the Unity Project, you know, uh, all sharing their thoughts on was uh, this tower and what was approved appropriate? Was it enough? And at the core was really that discussion about the bonus zoning. So, you know, is what Medallion offered to give back to the community, these 13 affordable housing units, and, you know, what they called um, very good urban design, very impressive urban design for this building, were those public benefits enough 
to get this higher tower and more dense tower that they wanted to build. So that's the trade-off that, that council was deciding. And that was the bonus zoning that they approved a year ago. So now we're waiting, we're waiting for that decision from the Ontario Land Tribunal member. And that was Dale Chipman who heard that this four day hearing, it was conducted virtually. And so on the last day, she basically said, going to work through this as quick as I can. She kind of alluded to the mountains of paperwork and evidence that all of these parties were filing. And she said something to the effect of this decision isn't coming tomorrow, right? These Ontario Land Tribunal members, they go from one hearing right to the next. So uh, most of these decisions, I would say, come in a matter of weeks or months, like usually a, a month or two. So I think um, we're probably going to be waiting for a little bit, but hopefully in the coming weeks, we'll have some sort of decision on you know, where do we go from here? Can Medallion go ahead and build this tower and offer up these 13 affordable housing units? Or is there some other uh, precedent that's going to be set by the Ontario Land Tribunal? So we talk about 13 affordable units and in one of your articles that you wrote, which can all be found over at lfpress.com and of course in the pages of the London Free Press, we talk about seven affordable units as well to get the number up to 20. Where did this kind of come from? Like, there's a lot of numbers that we talk about and the percentage of affordable units out of the total tower and number of units in the building. Where did this number kind of come from? Yeah, that's a really good question. And there are so many numbers. So we're not going to get bogged down by the numbers. But that one's important because it's what the Unity Project's lawyer um, sort of dropped in in her closing statements. Uh, you know, she said... Uh, if the Ontario Land Tribunal, you know, isn't willing to um, knock this down to say no, that bonus zoning was not appropriate, Unity Project would also love a scenario where Medallion is ordered to provide at least 20 affordable units. So the Unity Project had originally asked for about a quarter of the total units in that tower to be affordable, that'd be more like 60. But what their lawyer suggested on the final day of the hearing in her closing statements was, what about 20? You'd have 13 that they already agreed to provide in order to get that bonus zoning and build that very tall tower. And then add another seven for what the Unity Project and its witnesses argued uh, were already existing units um, that would naturally have been more affordable because they already existed, they were older, you know, they're not apartment units in a brand new tower uh, that had been taken down, demolished on that site um, or related sites, you know, where this new development is proposed and planned by Medallion Corporation. So their suggestion was, yep, keep the 13 that you offered and replace these seven that were lost, you know, by virtue of the fact that you want to build something new here. And that gets us to a total of 20. So the, the other parties, you know, City Hall's lawyer and um, the lawyer representing the developer weren't very pleased with the suggestion, I guess you could say, you know, um, everybody agrees that there was that there is a housing crisis in London, but when you're at one of these hearings, you know, there is the focus and really the central point is planning principles and planning documents and if I can say very dry <laughs> planning rules, right? So they basically told the tri Ontario Land Tribunal member, you cannot give any weight to that suggestion. We haven't heard anything about 20 units before now. Uh, you know, none of the witnesses were asked, is that an appropriate number? Is it better or worse than 13? Uh, and so the other party said, no, 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 20 is not reasonable. We haven't even discussed that until the closing statements here on the final day of the hearing. You can't take that into consideration. But of course, uh, you know, I suppose there's there's some uh, 
scenario where the Ontario Land Tribunal member does decide to, to consider that, but very, very unlikely. Absolutely. We talk a lot about affordability and affordable housing. Um, what does that actually mean? Because affordable, what might be affordable to you may not be affordable to me. It's so circumstantial, right? I'm so glad you asked that, Lindsay, because to me, that is the central question. And I feel like this gets obscured in our conversations, even in the conversations that happen at City Hall and, and among city councillors. And some people might not agree with me, but you know, as someone who's reporting on this and sometimes trying to break down those terms, it is very, very confusing. You hear social housing, you hear public housing, you hear, hear affordable housing. And like you said, are we all using the same definition here? So city hall policies actually define this pretty, um, pretty clearly. And it's based on the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation uh, definition for affordable housing. So the way it's defined you know, for the purposes of a negotiation with a developer, for example, uh, is affordable housing can have, um, you know, two definitions. One is uh, some uh, housing or, you know, a, a shelter that's 30% or less of your gross income. And then the separate uh, definition also valid, you know, at City Hall and in these bonusing conversations is housing that is at or below London's average market rent. So, that's very different than maybe rents that you or I would see if we were trying to rent a place because those are average, um, those are asking rents, right? And the average market rent not only takes into account obviously units that are available and the rents that are asked for those units, but also units that are already occupied. And, you know, obviously many of those are much lower because people may have been living in them for, for, a long time and even for a short time you can't raise the rent as much obviously as when a unit is turning over so you know that that is a lower number than what we may be used to seeing um other services often pump out and tell us what the average asking rent is in london but for the purposes of this scenario and this uh negotiation with medallion uh, there was a lot of witness testimony from Stephen uh, Justizia about this and about this idea of what is affordable. That rate that was set, um, he argued, for one of these 13 affordable units in the Medallion Tower would have been about $730 a month based on that 80% of average market rent, which is what they had agreed to in order to get that bonus zoning. So that's certainly a lot lower than any unit that you're gonna find anywhere in the city right now. Uh, but I think a lot of people would still argue that $730 a month is not affordable for someone, uh, for example, who's receiving social assistance or someone who's living on the street right now, You know that there is not $730 a month, right? The shelter allowance through your Ontario Works or Ontario Disability Support Program is, more like 300, 400, maybe $500 a month. So that's still well below, um, you know, this, this average rent um, or what these units would have been rented at. And of course, those folks typically depend on a subsidy or some kind of rent top up in order to um, actually rent a unit. Yeah, you hear $730, $830. And to somebody who doesn't have any income or is on social assistance, disability, things like that, those numbers are staggering to hear, especially right now, knowing that there is such a housing crisis. Now, something that I found super interesting through your reporting on all of this is whose responsibility is this really? Because it kind of seems like Unity Project has 
absolutely made some valid points with regards to medallion, but city council approved all of this. So whose responsibility is it to make some affordable, affordable, I'm using air quotations again, uh, units within the city? Yeah, it's such a good question, Lindsay. And to me, this is really the broader conversation and why we're paying attention to this appeal at all, right? You know, the Unity Project is kind of pushing the envelope you know, with the development industry, sure, but also with City Hall to say, who's going to step up and get us some more units here? Like 13? Are you kidding? You know, we've got hundreds and hundreds of Londoners who are living on the street who have nowhere to sleep at night or, are, you know, sleeping in an emergency shelter. So, um, you know, I think that's really an interesting question. And I think depending on who you ask, different people may have different answers about who should actually be creating or funding or building those units. Um, you know, the answer as to what's happening right now is that City Hall and City Council, I, I do think, um, you know, they're trying, there, there's no doubt about that. There's a new roadmap to 3000 plan that City Council has endorsed. That's a, 3, 000, a target to create 3000 new affordable units in the city by 2026. So that doesn't just mean building new affordable housing. It maybe means supplementing someone's income so that they can afford a rent in, in a unit that already exists. Um, but it also has a lot of uh, targets about, you know, who should be creating those units. Nonprofit housing providers, that's one angle. City Hall actually doing it themselves, that's another angle. And the city is leading construction on a couple modular housing builds. Those are like rapid housing that they can get up quick with prefabricated materials to actually add some new units, affordable units into the market, you know, without needing to depend on any anyone else. Uh, and then the development community has been asked to contribute some as well, right? So whether that's builders including it in, you know, new developments or working with um, the city or with uh, housing nonprofits to create, you know, in another way or create affordable projects in addition to what they're already building. Uh, and then I think also, especially from city council and city hall, you've got a lot of um, politicians and, and bureaucrats putting up their hands to say, how about the province and the feds, right? Like we really need help here. So there's money flowing both from the province and from the federal government, you know, on all sorts of housing and homelessness programs. But I don't think you'd, you'd meet anyone at City Hall who wouldn't agree to, you know, a huge new injection of cash from senior governments to help speed up that process, especially when you've got a City Hall like you do here in London saying, you know, we're now experienced with this or experience maybe a bit of a stretch, but we're now leading some of these projects ourselves, right? If you, if you can you know, give us the loans, give us the grants, um, low interest mortgages, whatever it may be, we can add some new affordable housing units to the mix. But I think the ultimate point is you look at the numbers that we're generating in order to meet this 3000 uh, target by 2026, you need about 600 new affordable units every single year. And we are not meeting that at all. Um, and, you know, the 3000 target is an ambitious one, but I think when you actually crunch some of those numbers and see where will that get us, it's not as if we're going to be living in some utopia when we add 3000 units, right? Like the needs are growing, the demand is growing and wages are not keeping pace at all. So it's really an interesting question. I obviously don't have the answer, but I think there's a number of players here when you ask who really should be building this stuff. Absolutely. Definitely a, a bigger issue at hand. No disputing that, especially we had 300 homeless folks, um, 
set up in temporary shelters over the winter months just to kind of combat the frigid weather. And that's really just the tip of the iceberg. So if you're listening to this right now, uh, what Megan and I have been discussing today really is she goes so much more in depth. There are several articles living over at lfpress.com for you to go read and catch up on. And, and I would urge you to do that. This is such an important discussion we're having and a really, really interesting and important precedent about to be set as a result of what we've been seeing so far. So Megan, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And I hope we have a chance to catch up when a decision comes in. I assume it'll probably be in the coming weeks, could even be a couple of months. Um, as you mentioned, there's a lot of paperwork, a lot of evidence, a lot of stuff to go through. So thank you for sifting through a lot of this and doing the reporting to make it accessible and easy to digest for the average listener and reader. Really appreciate your time today. That's so kind. Thank you. I have to say it wasn't as dry as many of those hearings are. So really, really a pleasure to, to sit through and such an interesting conversation there as it was here. So thanks. Well, we appreciate it. If you are enjoying this podcast and you haven't hit subscribe yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. You'll get notified every time that there is a new episode and they come out every single Thursday. So make sure you hit subscribe and we'll be back next Thursday with another edition of the LF Press Podcast. Until then, stay well. Wow.